listening to The John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas. Harris driving right side, gets along the baseline, finds McCuller for three, bingo! Kevin McCuller from the left wing, and the Hawks have their biggest lead. Now looking to rock chalk it up every chance he gets. He is the State of Kansas Sportcaster of the Year, Brian Haney. He is the voice of the Bears, John Morris and Aaron Sexton. Highlight cuts courtesy of the Jayhawks Sports Network from Learfield. Brian Haney, the call, the voice of the Jayhawks. And as you heard in that bump back, bump back the Kansas Broadcaster of the Year. And Brian joins us now. And let me say congratulations to you. What a great honor. Very deserving. Congratulations on that award. Oh, thank you, J-Mo. It means a lot coming from a stud like you and a recent uh, Texas Sportscaster of the Year Award winner. So thanks a lot for saying that. And uh, certainly uh, excited to see one of my best friends in the industry this Saturday when you guys come to town. I can't wait to see two top 15 teams, but one of the nicest guys in all of broadcasting and John Morris. So thank you, buddy. Very kind of you. Thanks very much. What a great game, huh? How has the week been in Lawrence? The huge win over Houston, and you guys played so great last Saturday. Then the quick turnaround, you got to get back up, going to play K-State and drop that game in overtime. You know, sometimes you have to remind yourself to just take a big deep breath and realize you're still 18 and five with two midseason all Americans. <laughs> because if you listen to the chicken littles around here, and I'm talking mostly about fans on social media and message boards and all that, you'd think the sky was falling. There's no doubt having lost now on the road in Morgantown, Orlando and Manhattan, this Kansas team's preseason expectation of, of being the team to beat in the big 12 is very much in question but they still have four top 10 wins already this year. They still have Kevin McCullough playing an outstanding grad senior season here at Kansas and Hunter Dickinson, the number one player in the transfer portal era has certainly lived up to the hype. So there's a lot of good here, John, but obviously when we lost a key piece in the preseason in Arterio Morris, it made this team's bench and its overall depth very much in question. And that has reared its ugly head at times. And, Monday was an example of that. Bill Self felt like he already had a tired team heading into that game for the reasons you mentioned, emptying your bucket physically and emotionally on Saturday in a top eight head-to-head showdown to then have to travel uh, you know, in a quick 48-hour flip to get over to Manhattan and, and take on a K-State team that always circles that game as the biggest one of the year, rivalry game, all of that. He felt like he had a tired team heading in and then to call it like it is, we kind of played down to the competition. Overtime is forced, and wow, we had three guys play north of 43 minutes yeah. before it was all said and done. And if they were tired before the game started, they were exhausted after. And that's why you see a guy like Kevin McCullough, who's been an 83% free throw shooter all year amongst the best in the Big 12, go one of five from the free throw line and miss most everything short. So we've got a real depth issue on our hands right now. But having said that, to finish where I started, this is still a team whose starting five is as good as any in America. We still feel like we have one of the best coaches in America, if not the best. And it's going to be fine, Kansas fans. <laughs> your rival and your rival had just lost four in a row. Yeah, yeah. A good good uh, voice of reason there <laughs> with that reminder. <laughs> Kansas is still really, really good. 
Uh, the depth that you mentioned and so many guys playing that many minutes in an overtime game. Have you seen it? Uh, do you think it's a real factor or might it become a factor as, you know, this season of, you know, beating each other up every week continues? It's a huge factor. It's a huge factor, JMO. I mean, the days of the Big 12 North versus the Big 12 South, where you had an imbalanced schedule and there were two games versus Nebraska and two games versus Colorado. And at the time, K State was down. I mean, that was like not only six wins for Kansas, but games they would win by 20 to 30. And you could rest guys. Uh, and, and, of course, you had a deeper bench back then, too, because we weren't in the transfer portal era where at the first sign of somebody not having 30 minutes or 10 shots a game, they're out the door. Yeah. And we saw half our roster leave for the portal a year ago, and many of them, Kansas was fine with them leaving. But the point is, it's a lot tougher to cultivate talent and, and stockpile it on your shelves for a year or two uh, like you used to. And now you're having to play in a league where there are no nights off zero nights off maybe we caught a scheduling break getting to face oklahoma state twice and in the second meeting bryce thompson gets hurt that was obviously fortuitous for kansas schedule wise but otherwise we have to play baylor twice houston twice oklahoma twice i mean this is a brutal gauntlet of a schedule here for ku this year and obviously we like to think similar to baylor we get everybody's best shot you kind of come in with a target on your back so the depth thing is real. There's zero nights off, and when you're having to replace all the players you lost in the portal with first-year guys, whether they're true freshmen or transfers that are just in your program for the first time, even six months in, the trust factor from the head coach to some of those unproven and inconsistent reserves isn't what it would typically be if you'd had a program guy that had been with you for a couple of years. And so Bill Self, the first ballot Hall of Famer, is, is having a hard time you know, being able to trust some of these guys because they'll come in one game and show you glimmers of hope, and the next game they might turn it over twice in 30 seconds, and that's we all we see of them for that particular day. So I've never seen them grapple with this approaching mid-February before, but these are the times we're living in where the portal changes everything, and obviously the ultra-competitive Big 12 Conference tests you every night. So consequently, uh, these are new times for Kansas to deal with, and yet – there's nobody we'd rather have navigating us through those waters than Bill Sell. Yeah, very well said. Brian, explain to our listeners, most of whom have never been to a game in Allen Fieldhouse, uh, explain that home court advantage and how it just a lot of times engulfs your opponent like and, and rises to the occasion, too. Like in big games, that home crowd is uh, is just tremendous for you guys. You know, I, I've been lucky enough, John, in my career to go to Cameron Indoor, not on a game day, but I toured it. I've, I've seen games at the Dean Dome, Poly Pavilion, Assembly Hall, called mini games in Rupp Arena because of the Big 12 SEC showdown. As the song says, I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> right. There's, there's no place like this place. And I know I'm a little bit biased, but I'd like to think being some of these other places on game days and seeing how it compares. It's 16,300, which isn't as big as Rupp. But the way these old steel beams that, that comprise this old barn that was built in 1955, the way they trap in and reverberate the sound, it just echoes down upon you. Obviously, the fan base 
is highly educated and, and in tune with the game and is all over the opponent from the word go. The video crew does a great job, as I know you guys do too, in, in pumping in some extra excitement. But uh, this place, it's, it's unbelievable what Kansas has accomplished here in 21 years under Bill Self. He has a 95% home court winning percentage. Huh. There's a, uh, a wall inside the men's locker room that charts Bill Self's record in Allen Fieldhouse, and he's got as many regular season Big 12 titles as he has home losses. Oh, man. Think about that. Right, right. So it, it's, it's unreal. And, and to wrap it up succinctly, the, the one time I always think of when someone asks me what you just did, which is the effect of the building on the competition, I think about my first year as voice of the Jayhawks. We were down 14 with two minutes and 45 seconds to play to West Virginia and Bob Huggins, who I'll give away the spoiler of the story. He, he never won a game in mm, Allen Fieldhouse yeah. in all his years. Um, but we're up. We're down 14 with 2.45 to go. Devontae Graham starts hitting threes. Building starts rocking. Nathan Adrian, you probably remember that name. Yeah, He's one of the right. few Morgantown recruits that played for West Virginia. He's trying to get the ball in, inbounds, and the, the just overwhelming noise and nature of the crowd is such that you can physically see his knees shaking as he's trying to get the ball in. And before you know it, five Mississippis have been counted off violation crowd erupts lid blows off kansas wins it you get the ball and win it obviously and it was just one of those moments where you could physically see how imposing the crowd is and the building is so there truly is no place like it and since i'm on in waco but i'd say this if i was on in austin or any other place maybe one of the most brilliant moves i've ever seen to not get swept up into the atmosphere was when Scott Drew took his team out in the tunnel for a mm-hmm. second and didn't allow him to watch the history video where they talk about the power and the glory and the winningest program of all time. <laughs> so right. He got some heat for that. But, J-Mo, you tell me, was that not super smart? It was, don't, yeah. Don't allow your guys to, to get swept up in that. And, and, you know, consequently, I think they were more competitive because of it. It was. And no disrespect intended. You know, some people may have, may have read it that way. But it was just so loud when that thing was running and you don't want our guys you want to have their full attention you know the coaches want their attention they don't want them glancing up there and you're not playing the history of Kansas basketball you know you're playing that team that day so uh I think he would take the heat again I mean I think he'd do it again if he felt like he needed to uh completely agree I I respect him a ton we all do and and uh as much as fans talked about that, we were looking at each other thinking that was actually pretty smart. These <laughs> guys can hear him speak now. And as you said, they're playing against the five guys in front of them, not Danny Manning and Will Chamberlain and, and Joel Embiid up on the screen, you know? And it is a great atmosphere, and everybody knows that. And and to be honest, that's what we were trying to create here, moving to the new Foster Pavilion. It's smaller, but it has been a great home court advantage. I can't wait for you to see it when you guys uh, come down here in March. I know. I was bummed when I found out we had to play you guys twice because you're really good. Right. But I was excited when I got to see that we'd be traveling to Waco and checking out the new facility. Because when we were there a year ago, we, we could see the, the, the bones of it being built. But uh, I've certainly been watching on TV and uh, so impressed with what I've seen and also very impressed with this basketball team. So it's going to be a fun few weeks here getting to see you guys twice. That'd be great. Uh, game day in Lawrence again, kind of a regular visitor there. How much of a factor is that, or, or have they been there so much that it's not that big a deal? 
you know, it's our 12th time. I don't think it adds any extra edge or anything like that. If anything, I think if you talk to our coaches in an honest moment, they love the exposure for the program, but they don't want to make the day any longer for the student athletes. I know Bill Self's trying to do as much as he can to make sure that, uh, you know, they're not having to get up at 9 a.m. to come in to do something and then be at the facility for eight hours until tip-off. So it's definitely a big-time blessing in terms of getting your program out there. And Baylor will be featured prominently, too, I'm sure, on the show. But, uh, but yeah, in our 12th incarnation of it, to call it like it is, it was a much bigger deal when football came to town and then Big Noon Saturday came to town last year. So, um, but definitely excited to have it, grateful for it. And, and Jay Billis has become a friend over the years, and I think you would agree, uh, one of the absolute best to ever do it. So thrilled to have him and Reese and the entire crew in the house these next couple of days. Yeah, that'll be fun. Just adds to the, uh, you know, the impact of this matchup tomorrow. Final thought, let me switch gears. You mentioned football, the uh, turnaround under Lance Leipold, and uh, the huge construction going on at the stadium. Give us an update there. Yeah, so you know it's it's going to be about a sixteen to eighteen month progress or process, I should say, um, to to fully rebuild, and they've got almost everything knocked down except for the stands on the east side. And initially, there was thoughts of, well, do you try to play in in a partial stadium next year just so you can keep it in Lawrence, keep it on campus, keep those local business owners that have restaurants and hotels and shops downtown happy. Ultimately, it was just not going to be feasible. And so in a really great job by our administration and athletic department, they're able to land the home of the defending Super Bowl champions and maybe (laughs) maybe champions. So uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday. But, yeah, they're going to play four games next year at Arrowhead and two games at Children's Mercy Park, which is where Sporting KC of the MLS plays. So, I mean, as, as fallback plans go, that's landing on your feet, no doubt. But once this thing is done in time for the 2025 season, which was part of why they wanted to go somewhere else next year to keep them on schedule, because every week that they hosted set them back a week in construction. But when it's done, you know, it, it's it's going to have a lot of the same frills that McLean Stadium has and, and be right up there with your place as one of the nicest places in the conference. Uh, it's patterned in some regards after TCU's rebuild, um, similar size to, to both of those venues, but obviously it's, it's going to have all the bells and whistles and be the most state-of-the-art of its kind at its time. And so we're so happy and excited about that because it was 102 years on Memorial Stadium before it, and uh, it's been three different ADs and three different incarnations of trying to get a new stadium project going. Finally, this one sticks, and it's in large part thanks to the tremendous success on the football field that Lance Leipold has had and the fact that it looks sustainable for the first time maybe ever, uh, at least in the modern era here at Kansas. Love it. That's great. Thanks for the update. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. We will see you tomorrow, and we'll see how things uh, play out between the Bears and the Jayhawks. Looking forward to it, brother. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it.